Welcome to the Anne Arundel County Police Department. What you are about to hear are real stories, told by some of the men and women who live through them. Join us as we examine active, closed, and sometimes cold cases with an occasional look behind the badge. Our mission is to be informative and engaging with the goal of providing justice and just maybe closure to our victims and their families. I'm Chris Anderson, and this is The Crime Journal. Are you looking for a rewarding career? A way to get back to the community? A workplace where every day is different? Anne Arundel County 911 Communications is looking for 911 call takers and dispatchers. Call takers interpret incoming emergency and non-emergency calls, while dispatchers are responsible for processing calls, operating telephones, and two-way radios. Salaries start at an upwards of $45,000 with a $5,000 signing bonus, plus an additional $2,500 with prior experience. Interested applicants can speak to a recruiter at 240-278-6696 or apply online at www.aacounty.org forward slash police 911. Do you want to be the lifeline to the community? Then we need you saving lives one call at a time. When people hear the term cold case, most often think of an unsolved murder, a life tragically and purposefully taken with malice and forethought. The usual aspects of that type of crime come to mind. Was it lust, love, greed, envy, or perhaps revenge? But how often do we think of happenstance? The fact that two people, two strangers, timelines happen to cross one another at a certain point in time and the possibility that if those chain of events hadn't happened in that precise order, then perhaps their paths would have never crossed, and the victims would still be here with us today. Events such as pedestrians being struck by motor vehicles is one prime example of those circumstances. Timing. A few moments, a few seconds in either direction, and outcomes could be forever changed. Do we chalk these incidents up to fate? The lives of two unknown people altered by a sequence in time that was simply beyond anyone's control? Who's to say? But let's go back to September of 2021. It's Labor Day weekend in Pasadena, Maryland. Summer has come to an end, and kids and parents alike are gearing up for another school year that is just days away. Mario Morales is spending the last fleeting moments of his summer with his 11-year-old son. The two had just stopped to check out a vehicle that was being advertised for sale on the side of Ritchie Highway near East Hamburg Street when tragedy struck. As many families are gathering to take pictures to celebrate this Labor Day holiday, one family mourns the loss of a loved one. Mario Morales, 52 of Baltimore, was walking with his 11-year-old son along Ritchie Highway in Pasadena, right up from Magathy Bridge Road. It was dark, a little after 9 o'clock. A car made a U-turn on Ritchie Highway near Magathy Bridge Road. The car swerved into the shoulder, striking Morales and his son. The father was killed, and his son was taken to the hospital. He is expected to live. The driver left the scene. To drive away, you know you hit something. So. Paula Hers lives in Serena Park and is well aware of the dangers of Ritchie Highway. I assume that that person was doing something illegal, and that may be why he drove away. I don't know. He or she drove away. Hope they catch them. I think that's terrible. I think you're supposed to stay at the scene of, the, of an accident. Ritchie Highway gets a lot of traffic, especially along this corridor, and those who drive and live around here say they're not surprised about aggressive and reckless driving on Route 2. 
Yeah, this stretch of Ritchie Highway, I actually live right off of it, and you can hear the cars, some of them, I think they, they actually, some of them race right down this street. It's a long stretch without any lights. Police believe the car was a dark sedan, maybe a Chrysler or a Dodge. Hope they catch them. I feel sorry for that family. In Pasadena, Don Harrison, WMAR2 News. Today I'm joined by Corporal John Hall from our Special Operations Division Traffic Safety Section. Thank you for having me. Thanks for being here. And uh, as usual, I am joined by Lieutenant Jackie Davis from our Media Relations Division. I'm really excited for this show today, Chris. Traffic safety is something I'm not familiar with, so I'm really excited to learn about these crashes and, and what they entail. And we are excited to have him here. So let's, um, let's go back to September of 2021. It, uh, it was Labor Day weekend. Um, what can you tell us about uh, the investigation that you became involved with? We initially got a call from patrol units in reference to a motor vehicle collision that happened on Ritchie Highway, uh, south of West Pasadena Road in Pasadena. Uh, the vehicle that was involved evidently had fled the scene, and patrol officers were calling for uh, assistance, further assistance from our unit. Uh, we are uh, handle all fatal crashes in Arundel County, uh, so they called for uh, assistance with this crash. And and what time of day was was that? This was in the evening. Um, Probably around 9 o'clock. About 9 o'clock p.m.? Yes. Okay. And so as a crash investigator, you're not the first guy that gets there. You get this call how long after the fact? I believe the, the uh, call initially came out uh, shortly after 8 p.m. Um, it depends on um, the circumstances for each crash, whether they call us out immediately or whether it takes uh, time for them to develop some of the information to call for our assistance. But in this instance, we were called out immediately. So help me set the scene here. Explain to people who may not be familiar with this stretch of roadway. Is it rural? Is it city? What type of roadways are we talking about here and speeds? The um, roadway is uh, Ritchie Highway. It's south of Route 10. Uh, it's heading in towards Glen Burnie. It's mostly rural. It's uh, open. There's some houses, some businesses that are uh, sporadic along the roadway. Uh, but it is a four-lane roadway, two uh, lanes heading north, two lanes heading south. And the crash occurred in an intersection with a cross street? No, it actually happened in, uh, uh, occurred in a through roadway uh, near a couple of businesses. Okay, gotcha. So what, what happened that day? When you get to the scene or when patrol calls you, what information do you have and then what do you do with that information? Uh, well, we, we take and gather as much information as we can. Um, in this instance, they told us that the vehicle had fled the scene prior to the officer's arrival. Uh, there was actually a unit in the area that responded very quickly. I, he was there within moments. Uh, we obtained that from the video. We actually see the actual officer pulling up moments after the crash occurred. Um, at that point, they had no suspect information, no vehicle information. They just had the um, victim on the side of the road and family members. And, and one of the unique things about this specific accident, it was Mr. Morales and his son were both involved in the accident, and his his wife, I, I believe it was, was I guess not necessarily a witness, but she was the one that you know had dropped them off because uh, they were looking at a at a vehicle that was for sale on the on the side of the road. Yes, I, as we got talking to the family members there at the scene, as well as later, um, we obtained the information that they actually were traveling north on Ritchie Highway. Um, as they were traveling, uh, Mr. Morales noticed a vehicle for sale uh, outside of Maryland Monogram. It was sitting on the corner close to Ritchie Highway. Uh, he pulled to the next business down. Uh, had an empty parking lot. He pulled in there with his wife and his child, at which point his child and him got out of the vehicle and walked south towards the car that was for sale. 
you could see them on the video from Marilyn Monogram. They were very helpful and, and uh, allowed us access to their video. Um, we were able to see Mr. Uh, Morales and his son walking around the vehicle. Uh, looked like he was using his cell phone, possibly to call the owner of the vehicle. Uh, they walked around the car several times, walked back towards the car where the wife had remained while they were looking at the vehicle, and uh, were returning back to the vehicle uh, when the collision occurred. Wow, that's that's tragic. So the father and the son were actually pedestrians that were struck by the vehicle. Yes, they were walking on the shoulder roadway the, at that point at that area of Ritchie Highway. It actually provided a large shoulder for them to walk on. Um, as they were walking back to the car, Mr. Morales was closer to the travel lanes, and his son was walking to the left of him, closer to the to the, uh, the guardrail area of the roadway. Uh, as they were walking back towards the vehicle. And how old was the son? Uh, I mean, was he a teenager? Was he a no, child? No, he was. was uh, he... I think he was in his. Uh, just getting into his teens. Oh, wow. Okay. And was he injured at all in the crash? He was injured, yes, but it was a minor injury. He was taken to a local hospital at least a short time later. Wow. So the the wife basically witnessed her her husband get murdered with a vehicle and the suspect fleeing the scene and the young child had to witness his father get killed. Yes. Yes. They were um, They were all together right there, close proximity when the collision occurred. And were, were either of them, the son or wife or, or mom, uh, able to give any sort of information as far as evidentiary value? Like, hey, it was this type of car, this color, this make, this model had this many doors, a- a- anything. Uh, and it happened so quickly with them. Uh, they weren't able to provide, uh, I believe the uh, mom was able to provide that it was a dark colored car. Uh, that's all she could recall, uh, possibly a sedan. Uh, and that it had uh, struck Mr. Morales and just continued going. And and one of the reasons why we wanted to talk about you know these fatal pedestrian accidents, it's a unique type of case. It's not like a, a homicide in the traditional sense. Like you're you're looking for you know motive connection. You know those tangible pieces that say, hey, I can link this person to this person because of of what I'm hearing or what I'm seeing. But this, and for lack of a better term, is is random. It was just the same person in the same spot at that same time whose lives just happened to interconnect. Um, and, and as a result, you know, Mr. Morales lost his life. And as, as an investigator, what sort of challenges are you facing when you come up on a scene at, much after the fact, I mean, roughly an hour, you know, after the incident occurred, you're trying to play catch up. You're trying to get this information before this information is gone. So what, what sort of obstacles and challenges are, are you facing when, when you get there? Yeah, so the um, you, you're you're correct. There is no way to actually in an event where he um, where somebody loses a life because of somebody else. There's no way to actually track it back and find out why. Talk to people and try to track back and try to identify a subject. Right, this is a random act. Somebody made a mistake while operating a vehicle, um, or a pedestrian made an error. Uh, but in this case, the vehicle actually made the error and entered onto the shoulder of the roadway, striking Mr. Morales, and just left the scene. It's uh, it was a random. Uh, course of events that led to what happened. Um, our first thing is trying to identify the vehicle as quickly as possible because uh, with vehicles, vehicles disappear, vehicles get repaired. Um, so we try to identify the vehicle as, um, as possible so that we can get it out to the public as soon as possible. Neighbors, uh, people operating down the roadway, they may have saw the vehicle, maybe can give us information of where they've seen the vehicle go last. And at that point, we can use other resources to try to track down and find out where the vehicle was. Uh, or, or who the vehicle is and who was operating the vehicle. Um, at this point, we had no, other than a dark sedan, 
uh, we had no other information as to the identity of the vehicle or who the operator was. Um, just that the vehicle fled the scene. Yeah. So one 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 thing that is similar, you guys would you know, of course, do a canvas. So going, you know, looking for other witnesses, but going to residences or businesses who potentially had, you know, camera footage, you know, surveillance cameras for businesses, the the ring personal security cameras, those those types of things from from residents to say, hey, do you have anything from this time period? And maybe, you know, one of your cameras captured the suspect vehicle as it fled. Yeah. Well, in in this in this collision, um, there were some parts and pieces that were removed from the vehicle. Uh, with those parts and pieces, we were able to identify a two makes and models that that vehicle parts could come from. Um, we were able to use um, some assistance from Tate Dodge, uh, their parts department. Uh, we took all the parts in there. Wow. And uh, with the part number and using their resources, they were able to, we were able to actually reconstruct a portion of uh, a headlight uh, and a rearview mirror. And they were actually able to narrow down and tell us exactly what the vehicle um, that those parts came from, which was a Dodge Avenger. That is fascinating. So you were actually able to take debris from the roadway from the crash and put it together almost like a puzzle and then take it to the subject matter experts at a car dealership, and they were able to tell you it's it's a Dodge Avenger that hit Mr. Morales and his son. Yeah, that's correct. The uh, The parts that we had with the actual um, part numbers come back mm-hmm. to, like I said, two different models uh, within the Dodge series. And uh, with the other parts and pieces that we had, uh, the dealership was able to actually, using their uh, knowledge and their books, were able to actually narrow it down to a year frame. I believe it was like 2014 to 2017 Dodge Avenger. They were actually able to tell me because of the headlight and rearview mirror that we recovered. Fascinating. So basically what you're looking for is a dark-colored Dodge Avenger mid-teen years that would have been traveling on Ritchie Highway 8 o'clock at night on Labor Day weekend last year. That's correct. Wow. Okay. And then additionally, you would be looking for significant damage to said Dodge Avenger um, from from that day. And yeah, we actually got it because we, we initially did a uh, release to the public once we mm-hmm. obtained the uh, exact vehicle uh, or, or what we knew the vehicle was. We released it to the public. We actually got a call the next day from a witness who said that she was traveling. She believed she was traveling behind the vehicle. Oh. Um, and she thought she saw some debris but really didn't click with her. Uh, she actually said that she got up onto Route 10 at the Route 10, Route 100 split. She was going to continue on Route 10, and the vehicle continued on Route 100. Uh, she said that as she passed the vehicle, she noticed over uh, that the windshield was completely shattered, um, which we were able to confirm from video uh, from another local business close by. We were able to confirm that the windshield of the vehicle was was completely shattered. Uh, but unfortunately, she did not, until we released it, know, was able to connect that this vehicle right. was actually involved in a hit-and-run pedestrian accident. So she wasn't able to get, obtain the tag. The only thing she could tell us is that the windshield was shattered and that it was a um, dark-colored sedan. So the last known location of our suspect vehicle was heading westbound on Route 100 in the Pasadena Glen Burnie area of Anne Arundel County. That's correct. Wow. Okay. Now, we see a lot of times when... Um, we have like our homicide partners and stuff down here talking about those cases. They talk about how helpful the community is in these cases and that typically they get flooded with dozens of tips or, hey, maybe you should look down this avenue. 
Um, and they're always super, super appreciative of all those tips, even if they don't pan out. Have you seen that in this case, or are you having a hard time getting community involvement? Well, it's a mix of the both. We actually obtained from um, motor vehicles. They were able to actually assist us in identifying registered owners of Dodge Avengers in Anne Arundel County, um, as well as some in Baltimore County. Mm. And so we did uh, a door-to-door search, uh, but it was uh, a lot of vehicles. We were able to eliminate a lot of them through the color. Uh, We weren't looking for red cars, so we were able to narrow it down. But we still received hundreds and hundreds on the list. Uh, But all of the... Uh, citizens of the county that had a Dodge Avenger uh, were very helpful, um, allowed us to look at the car. If they had it in the garage, they let us look at it. They called family members to have them come to a house or let us make arrangements to meet up with them at local businesses or somewhere else in their employment to look at the car, just to eliminate it from our list. But uh, unfortunately, uh, all the ones that we uh, had tracked down, which were in the hundreds, we weren't able to uh, locate the suspect, uh, but we were able to eliminate a lot of vehicles. Looking for that proverbial needle in a haystack because there's hundreds of thousands of vehicles registered in the state of Maryland and then neighboring states. So we we don't know. That's correct. Yeah. Like we narrowed it down to the county and there was hundreds. Um, We didn't even ask for the whole state. So there's thousands. Um, But we did did put out several times a news release. We also um, put out emails to body shops, local body shops, uh, to keep an eye out. I actually spoke to a one gentleman from a body shop, uh, and he said that he would also reach out to all other body shops in the area and try to forward that information to them if anybody comes in to make repairs to contact us with that similar. And unfortunately, we did, we did not receive a whole lot of feedback, um, which um, we were hoping to get some kind of information from the public of maybe a neighbor or something that they knew had a car that was now damaged that they were unable to explain the damages. Now, what is that like for you? As an investigator, and I don't want to get too terribly gruesome, but you've been doing crash investigations for how long? Uh, right now, about eight years. Okay, eight years, and you've been a police officer for? 25. 25. So even prior to being a crash reconstructionist, you've seen a lot of gruesome and, and horrible things in your career. Explain what that does to you and your unit of having to go out to these crashes not only do you have to see the aftermath, every driver on the road has seen a deer that's been struck, but very few people have seen a human that's been struck, and you've seen dozens if not hundreds. How hard is that for you then when you're doing your investigations and you know that there's at least one person, the driver, who knows they did that to a human being and is able to sleep at night? What is that like for you personally, emotionally, and how do your unit get through uh, the trauma of that? That's traumatic, and you're seeing it day in and day out. How do you guys keep going forward with doing these investigations, especially knowing that there's somebody out there who knows something and is able to sleep without telling you? Yeah, it's, 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 it's hard, but it's, it's the driving force to come up with the answers, to come to a conclusion not only for family members, when we deal with the crashes, is trying to find out what happened, who's at fault, uh, is there um, an event, uh, was the person criminally responsible for what happened, or was it an accident? Um, did they um, a mistake that was made? That, uh, mm-hmm. but if somebody was intentionally driving under the influence or at high rates of speed, that actually caused this collision. Um, it's the drive to make sure that we bring this person 
and for charges and to answer what for what they have done. Uh, and that's the drive here is to uh, find the individuals involved. Hopefully some citizens uh, can reach out to us to help identify him um, so that the family um, can have the answers as to what happened that night because right now we're unable to give her, uh, the family members, the answers that they're looking for and that is why. Why, why did this happen and why did they not stop? Why did they keep going? Uh, why after a year has nobody uh, reached out? It's um, crazy. They're it's absolutely demoralizing. Absolutely, yes. Because there, there's, it, it's, it's going to involve more than the operator of this car. There's other people that are involved that have to know what had occurred. And imagine body shops or neighbors or even best um, friends that you call and say, oh, my gosh, guess what just happened? That's correct, yeah. I mean, and, and we don't know, unfortunately, from the video, if this was uh, a vehicle that was occupied by only one person. There could have been other passengers in the vehicle that they also know what's going on. And there's still um, not – nobody's reached out to offer any kind of assistance in identifying who uh, this person was just so that we can give the family some kind of uh, answers. And we can say that that's you know potentially out of fear and fear fear of not knowing like hey this was an accident I did not do this on purpose it was dark X Y Z what what whatever you know circumstances they can bring in you know to kind of argue their case like hey this this was not me this was unintentional um, I was scared that's why I left and and we understand those things that people panic um, and and make certain decisions and react a certain way based on fear and um. Yeah, I, I don't know how people over overcome that, but something that we mentioned before uh, when we first started uh, discussing it is is time. An- another unique thing about these cases are the time involved and how much time you have left um, as far as if there were going to be some sort of criminal charges or some sort of, you know, uh, resolution in in the court system. How how does that differ from like a traditional homicide with like statute of limitations? Like how long do you have to you know to to make charges against somebody? Well, we we don't stop. We continue to uh, try to identify this operator. Um, it, it could be years. We're still going to try to attempt this. I mean, if we get two, four, five years from now, we get information that there's a possible suspect and where we're going to investigate it. We're going to identify this person and we're going to do what we can to close this case out. And I would think it would be like other cases where there's um, the main charges and then lesser charges and they all have different statutes of limitations, I would think, right? Yeah. Okay. yeah. But like I said, with our crashes, um, when we do our investigations, we, we don't end. We continue our investigations till we have closure. Well, and it's so important, too. I mean, every single one of us sitting here in this room got in a car today. Our family members got in a car today. Everybody listening to this podcast got in a car at some point in their life. The people that know who is responsible for these fatal hit-and-run crashes, guess what? You're driving on these roadways with these people, too. It is so important, even if you don't want to do the quote-unquote morally right thing, it's self-preservation as well. Dangerous drivers need to be off the roadway. And in this case, it might not be a dangerous driver. It might have been an accident. But there are some that were acts that could have been prevented with DUI or excessive speed, like you mentioned. So it's really important for people to realize, you know, you're not snitching. You're not being a rat. You may be protecting your child from getting hit. We've all been on the side of the road. We've all been behind the wheel. We've all had near misses. Some of us have been in serious crashes. Um this is really, really a public safety thing, and traffic safety really is public safety. 
Yes, absolutely. I mean, we our whole goal is to um, make sure that w- when something happens, I mean, if you're on your cell phone and you drift over and you hit another car or you're um, driving recklessly and you hit another car, these people need to be identified. They need to be they, they need to understand the consequences so that everyone else knows that there's consequences to your action. And everybody wants to be safe when they're out on the roadway. And the people that are driving recklessly or driving carelessly, they need to be identified and removed from the roadway. Or just temporarily, they need to understand that and, and be to learn that you you have there's reasons that you we don't use our cell phones when we're on the roadway. Mm-hmm. We drive at a certain speed limit is to reduce these injuries, reduce these accidents, reduce these collisions. So I guess in in summary, what what is it that you need from the public that that we can kind of solicit you know through through this podcast to say hey this is the information that we're looking for this is the information that we need if if you have any information at all on to, any cases to to contact you uh, the traffic safety division to say hey the, this this is what I even if they think it's insignificant hey you know I know a guy that had a car you know but you know he got rid of it he sold it. No matter how insignificant, you know, the information might be to reach out and, and give that information to you guys. Yeah, any information that uh, we can obtain, we'll follow up on. Um, like you said, the, uh, the collision on that night occurred on September 5th. So we're looking for neighbors, maybe somebody that might have been traveling the roadway that day, maybe saw where the vehicle went after they parted ways on Route 10 and 100 and they continued on 100. Maybe somebody else remembers seeing a Dodge Avenger traveling on Route 100. Maybe took an exit off of Route 100 with a smashed windshield. Um, any information they can provide. A neighbor that you knew had a Dodge Avenger at that time, and then all of a sudden the vehicle showed up damaged, and then a day or two later it was gone. Something like that, we'll still investigate. We'll still go talk to them, find out what happened. We do have resources that we can look in to find out where these vehicles went to, where they ended up with. Um, but, yeah, any information that can be provided, maybe the, the neighbor uh, advised that they hit a deer. Then we'll come over and we'll see if we can confirm that, uh, whether they did or did not hit a deer. Um, or, like I said, the, the vehicle just disappeared. It showed up the next day and they had a car and then no longer had that car anymore. Um, you can call us and we'll look into it and we'll see if, it's, uh, if it will develop any suspect that we can talk to. What's the best number for them to call you? Uh, they can reach us over at the traffic safety section, uh, 410 222-8573. Now, can tipsters remain anonymous if they would like to? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, they don't have to leave a name. Uh, they can also go on to um, the website um, to provide information, anything they can. Uh, the tip line, I believe we have a 222 tips line that they can call. Yeah, that, that, yep. that tip line is 410-222-4700. Yep. Well, thank you so much for coming coming out, Corporal. We really, really appreciate it. And when the members of the general public and, and us say thank you, just, just know we mean it. Oh, thank you. Thanks for having me. Another summer has come and gone for the son of Mario Morales and his family. Another school year has begun and another chapter in their lives without Mario. A family still seeking answers to questions that can't be found in a classroom or in school books. A father taken too soon. A life cut short, robbed of his future and the treasures it might have held. His name is Mario Morales. We'd like to take a moment to thank our friends over at WMAR2 News in Baltimore for their help in making this episode possible and to thank our listeners for joining us. Cases like these are often solved with help from the community. 
Once again, if you or anyone you know has information that can help us solve this case, please call the Anne Arundel County Police tip line at 410-222-4700. I'm Chris Anderson, and you've been listening to The Crime Journal.